The 17th century register of death records three people frightened to death by fairies and one led into a horse pond by a Welcome to Radio Preschool. Cemetery Soup On her way home from the market, the woman took a shortcut through the cemetery. There, sticking up out of the ground, she saw a big bone. She picked it up and looked it over carefully. This will make a very good soup bone, she said. I think I'll take it home. It's perfect weather for hot soup. When she got home, the first thing she did was start the soup. Into the big soup pot went water, carrots, green beans, corn, barley, onions, potatoes, a snitch of beef, some salt and pepper, and the bone. She brought it all to a boil, then brought it down to a simmer. Yum, she said, sniffing it and tasting it. I can hardly wait till supper. Suddenly, she heard a small voice. Please give me back my bone. The woman paid no attention. Soon she heard the voice again. May I have back my bone, please? The woman was reading the newspaper, and again she didn't take any notice. In a little while, the voice spoke up once more. It was beginning to sound angry. Give me back my bone! The woman kept on reading the paper. 
Some people are too impatient, she muttered. Once more the voice spoke. Now it sounded very angry, and it was so loud that the whole house shook. I want my bone back! The woman reached into the pot, grabbed the bone, and threw it out the window. In a voice just as loud, she shouted, Take it! There was an eerie silence. Then the woman heard footsteps scurrying away from the house down the road toward the cemetery. And she got up and served herself some soup. Five little pumpkins sitting on a gate. The first one said, oh my, it's getting late. The second one said, there are witches in the air. The third one said, but we don't care. The fourth one said, let's run and run and run. The fifth one said, I'm ready for some fun. Ooh, went the wind and out went the light. And the five little pumpkins rolled out of sight. You are listening to Radio Free School on CFMU. By Stoney, this is Little Witch's Big Night by Deborah Hotzig, illustrated by Mark Brown. A step into reading book. Halloween night and all the witches were busy. They were busy getting ready for their Halloween ride. Grouchy Witch was busy making grouchy faces in her cracked mirror. Nasty Witch was busy, sh- busy shooting a water gun at her cat, Bow Wow. Mother Witch was busy making a new broomstick for Little Witch. Oh, what a wonderful Halloween it was going to be. All the witches were ready, but where was Little Witch? Little Witch, what are you doing? called Mother Witch. Mother Witch went upstairs into Little Witch's room. What? You made your bed again, screeched Mother Witch. Sorry, Mother, I forgot, said Little Witch. Then Mother Witch looked under the bed, and you cleaned your cobwebs! Mother Witch was angry. You really must be punished. You will stay home tonight while we go flying, said Mother Witch. But it's Halloween, said Little Witch. Maybe this will teach you to not be so good, said Mother Witch. Little Witch watched the Little Witches fly up. Oh, how she wanted to fly with them. She was very sad. Her bat Scrubby wanted to cheer her up. He made funny faces. He did silly tricks. If my bat is good, cried Little Witch, this is the worst Halloween ever. Suddenly, ding, went the doorbell. Little Witch ran to the door. She opened it and saw a devil, a pirate, and an astronaut. Each had a big bag of candy. Trick or treat, they said. Oh, dear, said Little Witch, I have no treats for you. No treats, said the devil. No treats, said the pirate. No treats, said the astronaut. But it's Halloween, said the three trick-or-treaters. They started to walk away. Wait, said Little Witch, maybe I can give you a treat. I can give you a ride on my broomstick, she said. Really, said the devil. Wow, said the pirate, you can really fly? 
asked the astronaut. Just wait and see, said the little witch proudly. But there is just room for two on my broomstick. The devil said, me first. Little witch sat in front, and she said some magic words. Horrible, horrible spinach pie. Come on, broomstick. Fly, fly, fly. The broomstick shot off the porch and up into the sky. Up and up they flew. The houses and trees looked like toys. Little witch said more magic words. Bippity boppity lizard suit. Broomstick do the loop the loop. The broomstick did a perfect loop the loop. Wow, said the devil. You really are a wonderful witch. Thank you, said little witch. And now, al kazoo, four-leaf clover, back we fly, your turn is over. Thump! The broomstick landed on the back porch. Next it was the pirate's turn. Hold on tight, said little witch. And with another big whoosh, they zoomed into the sky. Soon they were flying over the ocean. Below was a real pirate ship. The pirate captain looked up. He did not believe what he saw. Shiver me timbers! A witch and a flying pirate, he shouted. Little witch and her friend waved to the pirate captain. Now we'll fly home backwards, said little witch. She said some more magic words. Mumbo jumbo broomy stick, take us home and make it quick. They zoomed backwards over the ocean, over the town, and back to little witch's porch. Now it's my turn, said the astronaut. And she got onto the broomstick, and little witch said... Hocus Pocus Peanut Stew, here's a broomstick ride for you. And whoosh, they were off. Little Witch and the Astronaut flew over the big city. They whizzed around tall buildings. They saw jack-o'-lanterns in the windows. The jack-o'-lanterns winked at them. Little Witch and the Astronaut winked right back. Can you fly upside down? asked the astronaut. Yes, I can, said Little Witch. And she said some more magic words. Harkum scream, witches, vats. Now we're hanging just like bats. Flip, flop, upside down they flew over the roofs and past the moon. Then the broomstick took them back to Little Witch's porch. The three trick-or-treaters clapped their hands. This is the best Halloween yet, they said. Let's go flying next year, too. Little Witch smiled. That's a good idea, she said. Well, goodbye, said the devil, the pirate, and the astronaut. And thank you. Little witch waved goodbye to her friends. Then she swept the porch. I will be very good all year, she told Scrubby. Then Mother will punish me and I can fly again with my new friends. Little witch was reading a bedtime story to Scrubby when the big witches came home. Grouchy witch said, you missed the spookiest Halloween ever. Nasty witch said, we scared all the children. Mother Witch said, I hope you learned your lesson. Because, said Mother Witch, I learned my lesson. Halloween is not fun without you. I missed you, Little Witch. Then she gave Little Witch a big Halloween hug. At bedtime, Mother Witch told Little Witch a spooky story. Then she tucked her in, Next year you can fly with us. I promise, said Mother Witch. Can I bring some friends? asked Little Witch. Yes, if you promise not to be too good, said Mother Witch. I will do my best, Mother, said Little Witch, and she really meant it. The Little Witch fell asleep and dreamed about the best Halloween ever.
this comes from Zora Neale Hurston's book, Mules and Men. It was slavery time, Zora, when Big Sixteen was a man. They called him Sixteen because that was the number of the shoe he wore. He was big and strong, and the old master looked to him to do everything. One day, old master said, Big Sixteen, I believe I want you to move dem sills I had hooed out down in the swamp. Ah, uh, yes, massa. Big Sixteen went down to the swamp and picked up them twelve by twelves and brought them up onto the house and stack them. No one man ever toted a twelve by twelve before nor since. So the old master said one day, Go fetch in de mules, I want to look him over. Big Sixteen went on down to the pasture and caught the mules by the bridle, but they was contrary and bulky, and he tore the bridles to pieces pulling on them, so he picked one of them up under each arm and brought him up to the old master. He says, Big Sixteen, if you can tote a pair of balky mules, you can do anything. You can catch the devil. Yes, sir, I can, if you give me a nine-pound hammer and a pick and shovel. Old Massa got sixteen to things he asked for and told him to go ahead and bring him to devil. Big Sixteen went out in front of the house and went to digging. He was digging nearly a month before he got where he wanted. Then he took his hammer and went and knocked on the devil's door. Devil answered the door himself. Who's that out there? It's Big Sixteen. What do you want? Want to have a word with you for a minute. Soon as the devil poked his head out the door, Sixteen, poof, lammed him over the head with the hammer and picked him up and carried him back to Old Master. Old Master looked at the dead devil and hollered, Take that ugly thing away from here, quick! I didn't think you'd catch the devil so enough. So Sixteen picked up the devil and throwed him back down in the hole. Way after a while, Big Sixteen died and went up to heaven. But Peter looked at him and told him ah, to go on away from there. He was too powerful. He might get out of order and there wouldn't be anybody to handle him. But he had to go somewhere, so... He went on to hell. Soon as he got to the gate, the devil's children was playing in the yard, and they seen him and run in the house, saying, Mama, Mama, that man's out there to kill Papa. So she called him in the house and shut the door. When Sixteen got there, she handed him a little piece of fire and said, You ain't coming in here. Here, take this hot coal and go on off and start your hell of your own. So, when you see a jack-o'-lantern in the woods at night, you know it's Big Sixteen with his piece of fire looking for a place to go. You are listening to Radio Free School. On C F M U.
Halloween is the night when witches, ghosts, and spirits move over the earth. Part of a 2,000-year-old Celtic past, Halloween was known as the Festival of the Dead. The Christian Church wanted to break the hold Halloween had over the Celts and the Saxons, so they renamed the Night of the Dead as All Hallows' Eve. Hallow meaning holy. In Scotland, over a hundred years ago, a cottage door would be unlatched and there would be food put on the table for their dead relatives who would come that night to visit them. In 55 BCE, Britain, the invading Romans encountered the Celts. The Celts had two seasons, winter from November to May, and then summer. The first day of November was not only the first day of winter, it was also the first day of the new year, celebrated with the festival of Samhain, meaning summer's end. During Samhain, they gave thanks for their harvest and celebrated the festival of the dead. They would feast and leave food for the dead who would return that night. They also made human sacrifices. Eight centuries later, the church tried to co-opt Samhain with All Saints Day on the 1st of November. It failed. No night was more dangerous than Halloween for it was believed one could be snatched away forever by fairies. A 17th century register of death records three people frightened to death by fairies and one led into a horse pond by a will-o'-the-wisp. Somebody. In the ponds, in the ponds, where the sun 
Don't ever shine. I wish she would. Oh, night. Shiver for me now. Trick-or-treating 
going knocking on people's doors, getting treats, and then I'm going to give people treats. And then I'll go on the Halloween parade or go walking, on the, go walking around or go to the park. Um, 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 I'm going is, I'm going to be Voldemort for Halloween. Voldemort. And what kind of costume are you going to wear? Um, no, can you tell me the costume? I'm not scared of anything. I'm brave. I'm not scared of anything. Pumpkins for peace? No. Pumpkins for food. I've caught scent of a plan to encourage as many Canadians as possible to carve pumpkins for peace. Now, if you're talking about carving at me a nice big piece of pumpkin pie, I'm all for it. Carve away, comrade. Count me in on this revolution. But pumpkins for peace? Doesn't it strike you as a sad shame that while people are starving, the affluent were thrown away vast quantities of perfectly good food if that's not odd enough in itself, we hear that everyone should take part in this practice in order to promote peace. I mean absolutely no disrespect for the good work of the Canadian Peace Alliance, the Canadian Voice of Women for Peace and the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom who are promoting this idea in Canada. But wouldn't a much better idea to have a campaign that demands pumpkins for food? I know it's a radical idea to use pumpkins in this highly unorthodox manner, but that's my gut instinct on what they should be used for. It's a tasteful idea that the more useful types within food, not bombs, might just cook up. After all, why should we make a mere symbolic gesture when we have a golden opportunity to make a real contribution? I'm not against symbolism, but we have to be very careful about the symbols that we identify ourselves with. Perhaps, instead of aborting so many billions of pumpkin pies every Halloween, North Americans could be encouraged to donate these delicious fruits to their local food bank. What a novel concept! While dropping off these valuable produce at the food bank, pamphlets could be distributed to the hungry about the rising cost of militarism and the huge waste of money that has been thrown away by our government to prepare for war and to add even more weapons to technology to our arsenals. There is a growing call for more money to go to the military. Even the NDP has joined the chorus. People at soup kitchens across Canada might really appreciate a little reading material to go with their tasty pumpkin soup. How about a take-off on that old protest chant? A people united will never be defeated. A pumpkin, we bite it. It tastes real good when eaten. Hmm, needs some work. A pumpkin, you bit it. Should never be uneated. Okay, okay, I'll keep my day job. Wait a minute. This is my day job. Back to pumpkins. Think how many people could be fed if we did this instead of using them for lanterns. Sure, bringing pumpkins to your local soup kitchen is still a symbolic gesture. A few pumpkins won't solve the underlying causes of poverty, but they would help to alleviate the symptoms of hunger for a few hours. However, distributing brochure to the folks in the soup line is an opportunity to give some food for thought about the underlying causes of poverty, war and environmental destruction. Here's my recipe for the pamphlet. Make that an orange menu. Add two cups of data on military spending. Two pie charts, stir in some graphics, maybe that one, the military general's cutting up a pie that reads, 
It'll be a happy day when the military has to hold a bake sale to raise money. Then add a few slogans like, give social programs a bigger piece of the pie and stir well in the desktop publishing program. Voila! Sorry, I'm getting carried away. I know it's always easier to cook up ideas for campaigns than to actually make them a reality. God knows we all have enough on our plates already. I'm not actually proposing these ideas and expecting anyone to actually do any of them. No one listens to me anyhow. I'm really only just throwing all this out there to feed folks with the notion that the symbolism of our campaigns is really important and it shouldn't contain contradictory messages. Our symbolism should complement, not undermine, the efforts of other movements. Our campaigns and symbols should help people to make as many links as possible between peace, the environment, social justice, economics, and whatever other areas of discourse we can throw into the mix. Happy Halloween! By Richard Scarood Sanders of the Coalition to Oppose the Arms Trade. I'm gonna wrap myself in paper I'm gonna daub myself with glue Stick some stamps on the top of my head I'm gonna mail myself to you Contact Radio Free School at grassroots at hwcn.org or mail P.O. Box 19, 1280 Main Street West, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, L8S1C. Oh.